0: Let's hold those up. I'm a child of God, having my hand, the powerful Word of God can change lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me in Jesus' name, Amen. Now turn to your neighbor and make sure that you know they know that you love them. In whatever way you need to do that, if you need to kiss them or hug them. Or just pat them on the head, just whatever you need to do. Let them know they're loved. There you go. It's always always riff-raff when you get a family on the same row, isn't it? <laughs> we see how they acted when they were smaller in church, you see. Now, not quite that bad, maybe. Hallelujah. God is good and all the time. We live in an interesting time, don't we, folks? The imminent return of the Lord could be any day. I pray, Lord, come quickly, don't you? If He tarries, I'm looking forward to watching my grandchildren. I hope I can be around long enough to watch all of them uh, get through high school and Maybe get married and have great grandkids. What's that all about? Oh, my goodness. Grandkids are super. I don't know what great ones would be like. I guess they're probably more fun. I don't know. They're really not that wonderful. It's all about perspective, isn't it? Okay. Well, let's go back into Nehemiah here this morning. All right. Praise God. We're in the 13th chapter of Nehemiah, verses 15 through 31. We'll finish out our study of Nehemiah. I've enjoyed it. I hope you have. Uh, We've looked at a remarkable man, Nehemiah. Uh, It's been refreshing to me to find a man of God who is willing to stand up and be counted when nobody else would. And uh, I hope and pray that when the time comes for me to stand up and be counted, that I will uh, equally be found faithful. Uh, he was able to persuade the king of Persia to supply all the needs they, that the, they would have to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And so today I want to talk to you about preventing burnout and preserving power. And I want to show you Nehemiah's last two things that he did to make that happen. And it's very important that we learn to not compromise the Word of God. We live in a time when young people are confused because they hear preachers in churches watering down the Gospel. We must never water down the Gospel. We must never compromise the teaching of the truth of the Word of God. Ever. If the Bible speaks it and says it, should be good enough for all of us. If it says that marriage is a man and a woman, then that's what marriage is. If God's Word says that homosexuality is a sin, then that's what it is. If God says gluttony is a sin, then it is. If God says lying is a sin, then it is. If God says, God's Word says disobedience to parents is a sin, then it is. <clears throat> all those things I just mentioned, God's Word talks about and calls them sin. Sin is sin, amen? And we need to preach about sin. So we want to start in verse 15. If you have your Bibles open there, let's, let's read together. In those days I saw men in Judah tre- uh, treading wine presses on the Sabbath, and bringing in grain and loading it on donkeys, together with wine, grapes, figs, and all other kinds of loads, and they were bringing all this into Jerusalem on the Sabbath. Therefore I warned them against the selling food on that day. Men from Tyre who lived in Jerusalem were bringing in fish and all kinds of merchandise and selling them in Jerusalem on the Sabbath to the people of Judah. I rebuked the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this wicked thing you are doing desecrating the Sabbath day? Didn't your forefathers do the same things? So that our God brought all this calamity upon us and upon this city? Now you are stirring up more wrath against Israel by desecrating the Sabbath. So the two things that Nehemiah will close out this book with is reminding the children of Israel the importance of the Sabbath and the destruction that comes from intermarrying outside the Jewish faith. But he first deals with the Sabbath. Even today in Israel, You cannot get a hot meal in a Jewish hotel from sunset on Friday to sunset on Saturday. The elevators don't operate in that hotel. You have to take the stairs during that time period. Shops are closed. Buses quit running all because it's the Sabbath. And it causes a great deal of inconvenience to tourists, but a lot of the Jews don't like it either. The Orthodox Jewish groups are powerful enough that they can require the whole country, however, to observe the Sabbath day, whether they like it or not. In Nehemiah's day, we see that it was burdensome upon the people. No work was to be done, no business to be carried out, making trade inconvenient. But on his return from Babylon, some 12 years he had left went back Babylon, but he came back 12 years later. The people had begun to ignore the Sabbath requirements. Streets were full of traffic, stores wide open and selling their wares. Some stores that you know of and I know of never close. Maybe Christmas Day, maybe Easter. Why is it that Christians can't take Friday off, Good Friday off, when all the other religions can have their holiday days off from school? Maybe all the Christians should, on Good Friday, call in and say, We're not coming because today's our religious holiday. I wonder what the school would say. Can you imagine the backlash that we would get as Christians that we're so, man. Taking the day off like that You're ruining the lives of your children By sh- taking off from school But if they're another faith what's well, it's okay Well we can tell them it was a Christian Muslim group Well then it must be alright The only problem is Christian and Muslim can't fit together Or Christian and Islam We don't serve the same God by the way folks Figure that out And the sooner you figure it out, the better it will be for you and when you converse with people. But so much was happening that Nehemiah would say, what are you doing? Don't you know that God takes the Sabbath seriously? So many people, when they find that God says certain things in the Word of God, they say, oh, he didn't really mean that. Well, yes, he did mean that. And yes, he does mean that. If you don't work you shouldn't eat. that's what the Bible says. if you don't work you shouldn't eat and we've got so many people the only work they do is to go to the mailbox and get the check out and go cash it and then they get mad if it's late. get mad get upset or're mature you get mad it's the postman like he's got control over the government sending you money. People are so upset today because the IRS isn't sending out their checks and their deposits as quickly as they did a year ago. Why? Because they're, they're studying harder this year for fraud. Trying to stop fraud. You mean there's actual fraud going on in Washington, D.C.? Shock of shocks. You mean they're spending money that we don't really have? Are you shocked? I know I am. My gosh, you can't believe that. That we would pay $21,000 for a toilet seat. That's what we do. In fact, they're wanting to build a wall on the on the Texas border. Now the owners of the land where the wall is going to be built are going to sue the government for more money. The government's going to give them $3,500 a piece for, or, or for uh, uh, whatever the acre of that land to, to build a wall on. And now the... The people are all upset because they want more money. Greedy, 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 greedy. Got to have more, got to have more. He says, take this serious, folks. And look what he did, beginning in verse 19. Then using his full authority as a governor, Nehemiah immediately ordered some changes. When evening uh, shadows fell on the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I ordered the doors to be shut and not open until the Sabbath was over. I stationed some of my own men at the gates so that no load could be brought in on the Sabbath day. Once or twice the merchants and sellers of all kinds of goods spent the night outside Jerusalem. But I warned them and said, Why do you spend the night by the wall? If you do this again, I will lay hands on you. From that time on, they no longer came on the Sabbath. Then I commanded the Levites to purify themselves and to go and guard the gates in order to keep the Sabbath day holy. So it was clear that Nehemiah was deeply concerned about the disregard for the law, and he saw it not merely as an ignoring of certain traditional rituals, but as something that God takes seriously. If you are going to marry someone today, take it seriously. You're marrying them for the rest of your life. Not until something better comes along. Because what what you think is better that's coming along probably isn't better that came along. Because if they came along for you, guess what? They're going to come along for somebody else. Parents, you have children. And there are days when you would just soon not be a parent. Can I see those hands of faith? Amen. I mean, there's days... There are days when their lives are in jeopardy. (laughs) Literally. They're in jeopardy. They have no idea what you're contemplating in your mind. Because if they did, they would be scared spitless. If they could actually hear what you're thinking in your mind that you're going to do to them. That's why we used to have clothesline at our house. That's where my mother would threatened to hang us if we she said I'm going to take you on the clothesline and hang you up when I was little I thought she would do that the older I got I realized I'm too big she can't hang me up there she can't even lift me off the ground I bet she could if she wanted to she chased my brother for two blocks with a stick man it was awesome I watched the whole thing (laughs) he finally stopped and she beat him all the way back I loved it I was laughing. on. The, I got in the house real fast before he saw me laughing. But anyway, I feared for my life. But but he, he, Nehemiah said, man, take this serious, folks. And then look what he says in verse 22. Remember me for this also, O my God, and show mercy to me according to your great love. You see, Nehemiah stood for God and then also had a connection to God. Because when you stand for him, you've got to be connected to him. Because if your life is on the line, you want to make sure you're standing for the right person. And so God is a great one to stand for. It may cost you your job. Got you. It may cost you a lot. I got you. But in the long run, God will bring a blessing that you you can't measure. Take that stand. And isn't it hypocritical to watch people stand sometimes and not all the time? And they they promote well. I'm this Christian and I'm that kind of. Christian. If you've got to tell me you're a Christian all the time, I don't know how good a one you really are. Does that make sense? You know, I can tell Cindy that I uh, I love her, but I need to show her that I love her. Right? These kids on Wednesday night to come in. You know, they're boy. They're hungry. Most of them are ornery. I don't. We don't know what they're going through in their, in their lives, in their homes. But for a brief time when they're here, that's not in their life right now. But boy, get on that bus and ride home with them. Your whole world's going to change. And every one of them, when they get off, always want to give me a high five. Some of them even will give me a hug when they get off. And then some of them, I'll, I'll hold my fist out there to fist bump, and they look at you like, I don't think so. No. And they walk off. That's okay. It's all right. Because I'm gonna keep knocking on the door. I want them to know that I love them and I care about them, and that we care about them. Don't you? I want them to feel that way. I want them to feel that way. How many of you know who King is? A little bitty one, with the hair on the back, who has four donuts in each hand. That's King. You want to get you want King to be your friend? You give him donuts. <laughs> I tell you, we could put a dozen in front of him. He'd ever want to. That boy ain't bigger in a minute. But on the bus the other night, he was—we were taking him home, and one of them was picking on one of the girls, was picking on him. And I said, "King, blow her a kiss." Boy, he it back like this. She didn't catch on. She kept picking at him. But oh, and boy, and he was slapping her around. God wants us to be in a relationship with Him. Should you and I keep the Sabbath? Well, some churches do. Seventh-day Adventists do. And they, they're, they're warm-hearted Christian folks in, within the Seventh-day Adventist movement. But they meet on Saturday. They still honor the Sabbath day Saturday instead of worshiping God on the first day of the week on the resurrection of Jesus. They still hold to that law of the Sabbath. Remember church of Fire, Eric Lytle? He uh, he didn't want to compete because he regarded Sunday as Sabbath and he couldn't compete on Sunday. Well, wouldn't it be great if parents would say, I'm not going to bring my... Our kids aren't going to participate in practice on Wednesday night because we've got to go to church. That'd be refreshing. Some of these little league coaches, they don't understand church. They don't get any of it. They drive these little kids like... Like they're pros in this, you know, they're pay, being paid to be there. Give them a break. They're just little kids. But their spiritual development parents are just as important. Do you realize that there are over 400,000 college student, uh, athletes and only 2% go to the pro ranks? Out of 40, 400,000, only 2% get into the pros? Wow. That's not a whole lot of people, is it? So it trims down real fast. You may be a great player in high school, marginal player in college, and you'll never go beyond that. (laughs) See, I always thought I could play professional football. I wore number 74 on my jersey like Bob Lilly, so I I didn't think you had to do anything beyond that. (laughs) Little did I know. Little did I know. Romans 14.23 The New Testament teaches Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And so if you're not Serving the Lord and attending The Lord's business on Your Sunday, your Sabbath This tells us it could be a sin. Wow. Now remember in the New Testament All these things in the Old Testament Are shadows or pictures of how we're supposed to respond. So is going to church important? Yes. Why is it important? Because you need it. Plus, it can be a place of rest. Amen. Why? Well, you know, I tell you all the time: if you're sleepy, just lean forward, bow your heads, we'll close your eyes, we'll think you're praying. Lillian, uh, Lillian, uh, Martin used to tell me, said, "Well, at least I have my Bible open, so that you think I'm reading with you." Yep. So, yes, keeping the Sabbath is important because the Sabbath is about rest. Uh, a man ran up to an airline office and said, Give me a ticket. And they said, Where to? He said, Anywhere. I've got business everywhere. <laughs> it's the kind of pressure that people are under today. They're going here, 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 here. And they can't stop, they're chasing their kids everywhere. What do you do when the kids are gone, grown and gone? Cindy and I are having the time of our life. We're having the time of our life. We kept our three grandkids for a couple of days so Jeff and Misty could get away. And when they got back and they all left, about ten minutes later I said, Cindy, listen to that. She goes, what, what, what? I said, I can't hear anything. She said, what are you doing? I said, Silence is golden. golden. <laughs> yeah. So when they've made all the noise, now it's quiet. It's awesome. But how do we prevent burnout? We first of all start by keeping the Sabbath. Learn to rest. Your bodies need to rest. I work out with a trainer at the gym. And he tells us to push, 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 and then Rest push 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 and then rest he said you've got to rest your muscle but now go push it push it push it and then rest it I like the resting part I was sitting in between sets the other day and he saw me and I guess I was sitting too long so he goes hey what are you doing I said I'm resting he said not today (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Because at the heart of Sabbath is rest. There's two reasons why Scripture gives for the creation of the Sabbath. One is in Exodus 20, verse 11, and it's the idea of being through, being done. I'm done. I'm done. I've done my work, I'm done. God worked six days in creation and rested on the seventh day. I'm done. You've got to be done. One of the things that I've adopted in my life is the midnight Thursday night rule. Which means I want everything done for Sunday by midnight Thursday night. So that I can take my Sabbath break on my day off on Friday. I can have that day to just think about other things other than church work. Now I don't always accomplish that, but that's my set goal every week. It's the Thursday midnight. During the football season, I watch these coaches and everything that they do is regimented. They take it, take it, take it, take it, take it and do it. Da, 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 do it. They used to stay up all night doing films and all that stuff, and now they get to take it. It's on their laptop on their little and they can just watch the stuff they need there. But they're always studying film, aren't you, Coach? You're always looking at film to see what this my player did and then what the next player is going to do so I can teach my player how to beat that player. I read an article that Tyler posted on Facebook about a girl that was a wrestler. And she had been beaten in the Olympics, I think it was, right, by this by the gal that she ended up wrestling. But she beat her this time. That other gal pinned her in in like 29 seconds, first time they wrestled. But she studied that girl. She studied her techniques and studied her moves. And so when she was ready to wrestle her the next time, she was prepared, you see. But she learned to stress and release, stress and release. And we need that in our life, especially in our walk with God. Because we all have limits. And then the second reason the Sabbath as important as in Deuteronomy 5.15 It says, And God said to Israel, Remember you were slaves in Egypt. The Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commands you to observe the Sabbath day. You see, it's about redemption. They couldn't save themselves. Israel couldn't save itself. It's about redemption. They needed God to save them. So God brought Moses and got him to the Red Sea. And at the Red Sea they all threw up their hands and said, Oh, we should have just stayed in Egypt. Because now the Egyptians are on their way And they're going to kill us And you know the story God parted the Red Sea And they walked across on dry land I saw on TV a, a, a reenactment of it The other day I thought it was really interesting Because Moses is standing by the Red Sea And I've always thought he held up his staff right And it parted Well this particular rendition Had Moses telling the children of Israel Trust me and trust God and he turns and starts to walk out into the water, and as he's walking into the water, it begins to it, it begins to recede and go down, and then it slides off to the sides. It's kind of a neat thing because he had to he walked into the water to show them, "I'll show the way. Let's go together. Here we go." That's the way we should do things. Parents, why do you get up and come to church and bring your kids to church? It's to show them what it means and how important it is. Why do they hear you sing? Christian music in the home and why do they see you reading your Bible or do they (laughs) or do they I mean on the bus Wednesday night we were going home and one of the songs came on the radio that all the kids knew they just started singing man we had that thing rocking that bus was rocking I kept thinking people are going to look at us like we're nuts you know what I don't care roll the windows down let them hear it man let's go that's awesome see that's what we're doing we're investing in these kids and we don't know what's going to happen 20 years from now But I know that God knows So the aspects of Sabbath That I want you to not forget Is creation and redemption And there are two forms of rest also the One is the rest of cessation It means I'm done My work's over, I'm going to rest I'm going to stop uh, There's also uh, the idea of rejoicing And delivering the delivering power of God And those are aspects of, of rest That we need to remember Matthew 11 is a great verse. Come to me, he says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. God says, come to me, and I will give you rest. He then goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. When you can't do it anymore, God can. When you are give out, God can restore. When you don't have any more in you, God can bring more into you. And he can bring the joy that passes all understanding. So the Sabbath is important. It's a very important aspect of our life. And the second aspect of rest, and it's always very little observed, is you find people looking for emotional help from psychiatrists or counselors, they seek human beings who will support and understand them. But the book of Hebrews says that we are to come boldly unto the throne of grace and to find grace to help in that time of need. So in a nutshell, burnout is overstress. I get overstressed. You know, Tyler asked us to pray for the kids in their, in their testing and the teachers in their testing. Yeah, it's, it's a stressful time. Because they have to get a certain number on there, or the state says you're a dumb school, you're an ignorant group of people there. That test doesn't always tell you everything you want to know. We've had young people in our church; they didn't—they weren't good at written tests. They got off—they froze up. But if you give them a t- that same test in a different method, ace it every time. It's like that. So you got to know your student, right? Bryant coaches the defensive secondary. He coaches cornerbacks. They have to be fast. And they have to know what they have to see the ball. They have to know where to go. And they have to do it instantly. So he starts to teach them. If they don't fit it, he just kicks them off the field. So he get off it. You're no good. He just goes through them until he finds one that'll do, that, that can do it already born that way, right? Isn't that right, coach? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be a blessing that every year he got a kid born to know how to do that? Mm-mm-mm-mm. I love it when he says, you need, to, you need to twist your hips. They're looking at him going, say what? You've got to learn how to twist your hips and go. Now his nephew, Braden, he was good at it. Braden was good at it. But that's because he had his uncle and his dad beating him until he learned how to do it. Plus he ran from Brad a lot. So you know, you learn how to twist those hips and go. But Nehemiah faced another problem. And that was the problem of intermarriage among pagan people. And he addressed it. He addressed it. If you're going to marry somebody outside your faith that you have, be prepared. Because it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I don't say it's impossible. Those marriages can be tremendous. But it's tough because they're not going to want to go to church with you or they're not going to want to think the way you think or believe the way you believe. But it's not impossible. I know families that it's working well in their their lives even though both of them don't necessarily believe the same way. But it can be tough. In this particular instance, it wasn't about their faith. It was more about paganism. And so these Israeli men and women were marrying... Folks, especially the men, they were marrying the women in these other pagan groups. And they were bringing their influences in and influencing the hearts of the Jewish men. Look in verse 23. Moreover, in those days I saw men of Judah who had married women from Ashdod, Ammon and Moab. Half their children spoke the language of Ashdod or the language of one of the other peoples and did not know how to speak the language of Judah. This is America. We speak English in America. Why do I have to go into every store and learn Spanish? Why doesn't that store provide for me English? You ever gone to a quick trip and they've, they've got the tape up over their cappuccino machine because they're out of powder? It's all in Spanish. They don't have an English word up there at all. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Because if you go to Mexico, and we've been to Mexico. We've gone on mission trips to Mexico. And I'll guarantee you, I didn't see a sign one in Mexico that was in English. Not one. And if I would have stopped and complained about it, I know they would have stopped everything and put up that sign in English for us so we'd be able to do it. So... The world says that your Christian faith is archaic and old and outdated. You need to catch up to the times. (laughs) Really? I need to catch up to the times. The Word of God never changes, does it? Because when the Christians begin to adopt the world's values and the world's ways, we invariably turn our children away from the things that make for stability and strength. Our children are bombarded with same-sex marriage, homosexuality. All those things, they're bombarded with it. I read an article the other day where a girl went to on a field trip from the school, and they were at some kind of a clinic, Where she got a birth control implant in her arm. When the mother complained about it, the school said, We don't we're not under obligation of law to tell you anything. She doesn't we don't have to tell the parents. She didn't have to tell the parents. If she wants it, she gets it. Really? Well can I pull out my pocket knife and dig it out of her? Well see, then I would be arrested for mutilation, right? See, we live in a crazy society, don't we? for well, things that are good are evil and things that are evil seem to be good. So Nehemiah, obviously is upset. Look at verse 25. I rebuked them and called curses down on them. I beat some of the men and pulled out their hair. I love that. <laughs> I beat them and pulled their hair out. Oh, mercy. That might not be a... Bad way for us to work around here. I made them take an oath in God's name and said, You are not to give your daughters in marriage to their sons, nor are you to take their daughters in marriage for your sons or for yourselves. Was it not because of marriages like these that Solomon, king of Israel, sinned? Among the many nations there was no king like him. He was loved by his God, and God made him king over all Israel, but even he was led into sin by foreign women. Must we hear now that you too are doing all this terrible wickedness and are being unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women? One of the sons of Joadah, son of Eleazar, the uh, high priest, was son-in-law to Sanballat the Hornanite, and I drove him away from me. Last week I mentioned that the Old Testament equivalent of Jesus cleansing the temple was what Nehemiah is doing here. Nehemiah is portraying a Commendable zeal here when He's telling them this will not happen, this should not happen get back to the right things get back to the Word of God and do it the way God has called it to be done when we start that then we're on a, on a road to healing just the latest controversy this week with our Vice President Mike Pence any of you hear about the controversy? Mike Pence he said I've made a rule in my life that I will not have dinner alone with another woman other than my wife, or if my wife is present. Oh, my gracious. Bill Clinton. There's a paragon of of faithfulness. Bill Clinton steps up and says, that's awfully excessive. Really? And then I read the headline. We caught him. We caught him. So Mike Pence was found on Air Force One having a meal with another woman other than his wife. They didn't go on to say until later that it happened to be his mother. You see how sick we're getting? And they want to just crucify this man. How refreshing is it that somebody wants to mention a biblical principle and value and live up to it? Hallelujah. Man. We've had enough of the other. But we live in such a crazy time. Look down at verse 29. Look what he did. So I purified the priests and the Levites of everything for him and assigned them duties, each to his own task. I also made provision for contributions of wood at designated times and for the first fruits. And then look at verse thirty one. Remember me with favor, O my God. You see, the key here is because they defiled the priestly office and the covenant of the priesthood. The priestly office was to be a picture of the ministry of Jesus. He's to be the great high priest who has come to meet the meet man in his lostness and his weakness and to restore him. The church is called to that same work, that same ministry. As the body of Christ, we're to do that same thing, and yet we're falling down on our responsibilities. There should never be an empty seat in this church building. If you are zealous for God, you'll go out and get people and bring them in. Luke chapter 4 beginning at verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to give liberty to the captives and freedom to the oppressed, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. It doesn't matter who you're talking to. You've got to be ready to share the gospel of Christ with them. You can do it. You can do it in a, in a loving, gracious way. You don't have to beat them with a Bible. Plus, when you build, build a relationship, you're going to have a better shot at them anyway. If you come in with a 25-pound Bible and start beating them with it, you've lost them. But if you'll drink coffee with them and get to know them and learn about their life and they begin to see you in your life reacting in ways that the world doesn't doesn't seem to act this way and you're a Christian and they know it, then you've got an opportunity. You see what I'm saying? Do you practice what you preach? In other words, I'm going to close with a quote from John Stott. And it's a message for the church today. It says, Our motive must be concern for the glory of God, not the glory of the church or our own personal glory. Our, me- our message must be the good news of God as given by Christ and His apostles, not the traditions of men or our own opinions. Our manpower must be the whole church of God, and every member of it, not a privileged few who want to retain certain ministry as their own prerogative. Our dynamic must be the Spirit of God, not the power of human personality or organization or eloquence. And without these priorities, we shall be silent when we ought to be vocal. Without these priorities, we'll be silent when we ought to be vocal. So Nehemiah ends his book on a very practical note. This is the way Christians change the world. One person at a time. One life at a time. And we'll change the world. Time's running out. Are you ready? Are you going to be a world changer? Father, I ask you this morning that those here that want to be world changers will stand up and be counted. It's so easy just to float along and never never get anything out of life more than we have right now I know there are Christians in this room who should be growing and walking in a deeper way with you but have become complacent and they're satisfied and they're content they've done all the required things to get them to heaven but you so often in scripture teach us that if we're not producing, if a if a fig tree is not producing then it's cut off and thrown into the fire because it's lost its value so father if we are Christians sold out to you and we stop producing or haven't produced at all anything other than ourselves, how productive are we so God is there one here today that would say I'm going to walk deeper I'm going to walk in a closer walk with you I'm going to be that person that you need me to be. Because God ultimately, peace with God can only be experienced when we learn to surrender to the authority of Christ. And when we've surrendered to the authority of Christ, then and only then will we see the victory that we so desperately want to experience. Is there one God here today? In Jesus' name, amen. Song of invitation, precious Lord, take my hand. If God's tugging at your heart to make a decision, would you today as we stand and sing?